0: You're listening to On Ramp and I'm your host Carrie Fisher.
1: And I'm your host Shane Blackshear.
0: Two Christians talking about race.
1: Because everyone needs a jumping on point.
0: This is On Ramp.
1: Welcome back.
0: Shane, today we get to talk about white fragility. My favorite yeah, subject. Definitely mine. I don't feel <laughs> nervous at all. <laughs> So, I'll let you get started on oh, it. Thanks.
1: <laughs> so, in the the spirit of the way we do things, we I looked up just kind of where that term came from. This was a, a lecture at the University of Washington named Robin D'Angelo. She created the term white fragility. She said that white privilege can be thought of as unstable racial equilibrium. So when that e- equilibrium is challenged, the resulting racial stress can become intolerable and trigger a range of defensive responses. And she defines those behaviors as white fragility. Mm-hmm. So, If you're not familiar with the term white fragility, uh, you probably instinctively know a little bit about what that means, and you've probably seen an example of that. There was uh, news that came out several weeks ago. Uh, Netflix made a show based on the movie called Dear White People. The show is of the same name. So uh, Netflix announces that that show is going to be on on their platform. And, uh, as a result, there were people who were threatening to cancel their Netflix subscriptions because they were going to have a show called dear white people. So I think that's a great example of white fragility. Mentally, there are white people who cannot, cannot take discussions around race or, even and especially even in their personal life, if someone tries to call them out on some racism or just you know even subtle stuff, even just the mere idea that I could have done something racist we we shut it down mentally, right We yeah. just block it um, and so that's that is white fragility, just the inability to to have discussions surrounding those things because as a wh- white person, I just can't take it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I think what that ends up looking like in schools and churches and neighborhoods and friend groups is that we don't talk about things yeah. uh, regarding racism because at least someone in the group is going to um, give a defensive response, yeah. give a, um, undoing response response. yeah like i mean not to say that someone's not allowed to be tearful or hurt about something but if someone sort of can't rise to the occasion of taking the the blow of knowing that like we live in a racist society and system and culture that has gotten into all of us and so sometimes we're gonna have to address those things yeah and um You know, what that's looked like in my life, um, I'm recognizing more and more as I continue becoming an adult is I I recognize now how many things I have bit my tongue about or um, pushed down or not addressed. Not because I didn't particularly want to because I knew that the person with whom I was in relationship or... Uh, acquaintanceship with um, for lack of a better term couldn't take it and mm-hmm. so th- th- it's this really like doubly oppressive thing that happens where someone has said or done something or been associated with someone that said or done something and that's been offensive and hurtful in some way and then when they are called on it They reject it or Mm -hmm. um, turn it around so that the person of color has to take care of them and their needs. And, 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 you know, I think even in school systems, um, even higher education, sometimes I'm frustrated to see that there's topics that people say like, well, that's going to that's going to make people feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. if we suggest that racism is everywhere and yeah. we're all racist right. you know or we all have bias or prejudice that's going to that's going to hurt some people and we as we've talked about before some people of color Are walking around daily with those hurts and don't get to choose whether or not they engage with oppression. They don't get to say like, but that makes me feel bad, so I don't want there to be racism. Yeah. They just have to deal with the effects of it. Right. And so that's... Some of what I think someone who's intending to be a white ally needs to join with. And when we talk about joining in pain yeah. and and setting down privilege, it's to be able to, s- to say, even if I'm not sure if what someone's saying is right, maybe I really didn't say something offensive in this. Can I sit with it yeah. and not fall apart or get defensive in the way that might doubly hurt that person?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so... To go back to the point that you were making earlier, it is double oppression because if you as a person of color are prohibited from telling me as a white person the way in which I've screwed up because you're afraid of hurting me or because I've made you afraid of hurting me, then that is that is like... It's not only the wound is there, now there's salt on the
0: wound, yeah, it's like, you know? Yeah, it's like the wound and the burden, you know, it's like yeah. the hurt and the burden for yeah. keeping that other person from being hurt, mm-hmm. which is just like, and it's a, that's a very confusing position to be in, because yeah. in one space in your head, you really know, this doesn't make any sense. I should be able mm-hmm. to say what's going on, but I know I might actually get punished for it in some yeah. way. Yeah, And, you know... I think about it in terms of personal relationships a lot, but sometimes in a a job space, it means like I could get fired for bringing this up. That's right. You know, sometimes (laughs) in church, it can mean I'm not going to have community because as it turns out, this is my denomination. And in this town, the setup is such that I'm only, you know, one person of color or, you know – whatever the situation may be. So if I want to be with the group who believes the things I do, then I got to kind of take the racism and go with it. If, if there's some proof that there's some major white fragility in that space. Yeah.
1: Like I can think of this bad relationship I had in high school where, (laughs) um, I knew that uh, obviously if I, uh, did something to upset my girlfriend, uh, I was in trouble. Also, if she did something to upset me, I was also going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> if I vocalize that, yes, it's very much the same thing. It's a it's this catch twenty two. And like, how dare you think that I'm racist or make me feel bad about this thing that I said?
0: Yeah, and and that's really that language. Even even as you just said it, I felt a little triggered of you're making me feel, you know, I've had people tell me like, you're making me feel racist. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you're making me <laughs> feel like a slave. So who, <laughs> who's in the more of the wrong here? Yeah. Cause you've just objectified me in some way or called me a what instead of a who or insinuated that I'm more like an animal than a human or whatever mm. it is that's happened. And you, are sad and frustrated and hurt and anger and angry and triggered that I mentioned that I didn't prefer that, (laughs) you know, and not to say, I don't want to set up a dichotomy where it's like, there's just all these people of color who are sweetly asking you to pay attention and you're all falling apart. But, um, I think there is that version and there's other versions that are also rightful where people are really angry and really upset and loud and saying like, this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And people sometimes don't take to either, even if it's yeah. gentle or even if it's direct. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'm surprised that someone will ask me for feedback about how they are engaging with race or how they're, how our relationship is. And then, um, little clues let me know that they're not ready for me to give them that mm. information. And I have to yeah. make the choice of like, do, do I want to honor that request regardless of if that means I'm going to be punished or hurt or belittled yeah. in some way, or do I want to just self protect, mm. keep that to myself and maybe they'll be ready for that conversation in a year or two. Yeah. you know,
1: Yeah. I think it would be unfortunate if what I'm saying here is fellow white people, you need to be comfortable or get comfortable with all of these conversations with, and, you know, having conversations about race with our uh, friends who are people of color or in whatever context it is, or even, you know, being called out on certain things. It (laughs) would be, I think it would be wrong for me to say, be comfortable with that. I think rather the thing is, be brave and even when you're not comfortable, go anyway. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I um I do want to point out that it, it can also be and hopefully actually what we're doing is sort of raising up um for those of our listeners who are white, some of what we talked what we've talked about before is talking to other white people and engaging with other white people. So sometimes w- White people are on the other end of white fragility where someone is trying to say, hey, that was racist, what you just did. Yeah. It's yeah. not okay. And I'm not going to take it. And um, you're, you're putting yourself in not the same position, but a joined or a similar position as a person of color when maybe you lose. Um, someone loses their cool with you or someone um accuses you of trying to hurt them or, you know, whatever the list of things might be. So it's not just people of color who are on the, um, uh, wrong end, bad end. I don't know. Of white fragility. It's also advocates and allies who are speaking up for things and sometimes having to make those choices to lay down privilege and put themselves in these positions of training and help for people with whom they're in relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like I confess I'm a white man and we've done a whole season of talking about race together. There's still some things that come up sometimes and it's uncomfortable for me. Yeah. You know, like it's hard. And so again, like I think the point is not remove that part of your brain as if we could even do that. The point is go anyway, be brave, be courageous.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it for this week's episode of OnRamp. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review OnRamp on iTunes to help keep the show front and center. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.